You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is February 8th, 2021. Today's show is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com right now. Use the promo code Locked On to receive 20% off on your next purchase. On the show today, a few things to get to. Nats made some signings uh, last week. Gerardo Parra is back, and then also Jordy Mercer as well. Trevor Bauer has signed with the Dodgers. Uh, but before we get all, to all of that, we're going to talk about the news that Pedro Gomez, longtime reporter, uh, baseball reporter at ESPN, passed away at the age of 58 yesterday. Uh, the news came out, I believe, during the Super Bowl. So we're going to touch on that first because he was obviously a very influential person when it came to baseball media. And uh, I think that is definitely where we start the show today. So that is where we will start right after this. So some tragic news uh, on Sunday afternoon. It was reported, uh, I started seeing it on Twitter during the game, uh, the Super Bowl, that that is that Pedro Gomez, ESPN's baseball reporter for a long time, uh, passed away at the age of 58. And this is from ESPN.com. It's an ESPN reporter since 2003 and one of the country's most foremost baseball journalists died unexpectedly on Sunday. He was 58 years old. Gomez was based in Phoenix, covered baseball for SportsCenter, Baseball Tonight, and other ESPN studio shows. Live events and radio. During his 35-year career, he covered more than 25 World Series and more than 20 All-Star games. Quote, we are shocked and saddened to learn that our friend and colleague Pedro Gomez has passed away. End quote, said Jimmy Pitaro, chairman of ESPN and sports content. Quote, Pedro was an elite journalist in the highest level uh, and his professional accomplishments are universally recognized. More importantly, Pedro was a kind, dear friend to all of us. All of our hearts are with Pedro's family and all who love him at this extraordinarily difficult time, end quote. So uh, one other thing that's important to know is Pedro Gomez, uh, his wife, Sandra, and sons, Rio and Dante, um, and also his daughter, Sierra, are surviving him. And, um, you know, it's it's a very difficult loss because I, I think when I saw Pedro Gomez on TV, it always felt like there was some positivity about him. There was a certain amount of uh, radiance to him, kind of always a smile and an upbeat reporting, I guess you could say, upbeat tone to his reporting. And, you know, the, the thing that sticks to me the most about him is – uh, the idea, you know, that that when everything happened with Cuba, when everything was going on with the MLB in, in Cuba, and they were able to play games there, um, and most notably, I believe in 2016 was the last time they did, he was a large part of that. And also he sto- told the story on Scott Van Pelt, on, on the uh, sports center that Scott Van Pelt does, he talked about his father. And he was able to talk about his father and his brother who passed away, and he was able to spread their ashes in Cuba. And uh, he is the son of Cuban parents who moved to the U.S. right before, uh, right before he was born, and his father swore he would never return to Cuba as long as the Castro regime was in control. And obviously, there are still remnants of that happening right now. But I think the fact that Pedro was able to go back and and base and you know baseball was a conduit. He was able to go and and spread the ashes of his loved ones, his brother and his father, in Cuba. Um, you know, because he was able to go back there because of baseball, because of his professional work. And that would become a link to a place that, you know, meant a lot to them and, ca- and caused his family some pain and 
talked about being Cuban and his roots and very sincere. Um, Pedro Gomez was, uh, and it's, it's tragic that he passed away. His son Rio is a pitcher in the Red Sox organization. And, um, you know, it seemed like this guy just loved everything uh, about baseball, loved his family and, and, you know, loved to share baseball with his family. Uh, and so it's just a crushing, a crushing loss because, you know, when you watch SportsCenter and are talking baseball now, you know, it's going to feel like Pedro Gomez should be there doing it. And it's just a tragedy that he won't be. So uh, our thoughts are, are with his family. And, um, you know, it's the, the baseball media world and baseball world in general. We lost a really awesome person. If you guys go on Twitter, Howard Bryant had an awesome thread about an exchange between Tony La Russa himself and Pedro Gomez. And now Pedro defended him as a young reporter. Um, you know, you just see so many accounts of the kind of awesome human being that Pedro was, an awesome friend that Pedro was. So I, I encourage you guys to go read those on Twitter. So much positivity. And uh, amidst a tragic loss, we should celebrate his life and celebrate his work um, and, you know, cherish the game. And, and once again, kind of the cliche, cherish every day because he did pass unexpectedly. Um, and, and, you know, he was able to cover the sport he loved, but we lost him far too soon. Uh, so it's very upsetting. It's a tough piece of news today, a tough piece of news to have over the weekend, um, you know, as we're kind of getting excited, earing gearing up for the baseball season. But it's a piece of news that we have to share, and um, we should, you know, please keep him and his family in your thoughts during this really challenging time. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about Trevor Bauer signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers on Friday afternoon. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Super Bowl's over, guys, but MLB is right around the corner. You've got NBA, NCAA, NHL. All those things are happening right now. There's only one place that has you covered, one place that's got all the action, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Once again, guys, baseball season's about to gear up. They've got plenty of fun props there betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Also check out Locked On today. It is a 20-minute podcast every morning, recaps the action from the night before, and gets you ready for the action the next day in sports. Once again, Locked On today, wherever you all get your podcasts. All right, let's talk some Trevor Bauer now here on the show. So uh, this past Friday, Trevor Bauer signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, his deal is quite a large one. Uh, he's going to make $40 million plus, uh, $40 million plus a year. It's a three-year, $102 million deal that has opt-outs after year one and year two. Um, and Bauer is set to make $40 million in 2021, 45 in 20, uh, 2022, and then obviously it remains you know $17 million for year three. So he goes there, and, and obviously the Dodgers continue to build uh, a really awesome rotation. I mean, I think it's the first story, right, is, is the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers now are a – still continue to be a powerhouse. They had the best – you know, best – not rotation, but best team in baseball uh, last season, and they look like they will again. They've got Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, you know, Urias, David Price once they get him back. Uh, you know, they've got young guys coming up as well. Dustin May obviously is a name that so many of us know. This is a team that is stacked, uh, continues to be stacked. So they've got that advantage now of having Trevor Bauer and, and already the favorites. This makes them, this, this will help them even more. The money, I mean, that's way too much for Trevor Bauer. You know, I, I think the Mets actually dodged a bullet 
by not having to sign him. If you have the, you know, if you have the money, go ahead and spend it. But uh, Trevor Bauer for me got, you know, a money. He got a length of a contract that's that's representative of his work so far. I mean, he's been a really good pitcher, but I wouldn't say he's been a great pitcher consistently. So when I look at that and I and I think about Trevor Bauer, um, you know, moving forward. I feel like he got paid for the guy that he could be and, and show that he was at times, but not for the guy he's constantly been. And that's an important distinction to make. So the the long-term risk is there's not a lot of it, but I mean, you're going to hamstring yourself short-term and financially. It's a lot of money to tie up in a guy that, you know, pitched, uh, he started 11 games last year, right? And the guy started 11 games the regular season. And then he started what, one of the postseason last year and pitched an awesome game, mind you. But, you know, started 12 times last year and was the Cy Young and was an excellent pitcher last season. That in 2018 was another remarkable season for him. But there's been a lot of bad mixed in there. Um, you know, that 2019 that he had, you know, only making those 10 starts and having to deal with an injury, you know, having, you know, he ends up having a 6.39 ERA. So Trevor Bauer, a lot of questions uh, remain around him moving forward. I think he got paid, but, you know, I'm not sure how much he wanted. I think a lot of us are are upset about the process. And, and look, here's my deal is that, you know, they promised us this transparent, fun, whatever, free agency, and it ended with false reporting. And that's not necessarily Trevor Bauer's fault. But, I mean, I, I do think, um, you know, sometimes your agents are to blame and sometimes your representation is to blame. He was also peddling stuff on his website. He was selling Mets gear, uh, signed Mets gear, you know, and stuff on his website. And he was doing that for the Dodgers too. But – that's that's bushly to me, man. There's no reason to be doing that. That's that is false sense of hope. Um, you know, sign gear for a team you don't play for. What a ridiculous thing to do. And look, he was involved in that. Um, he can say whatever he wants, and he put it out on Twitter and saying, you know, there is a miscommunication and all these kinds of things and making excuses. And then he said he took full responsibility. I don't care. It's on you, man. You you, you made a whole sideshow of this. And to me, what this comes down to is that. Trevor Bauer thinks he is a brand. Um, and while there are a lot of people who find him appealing, while there are a lot of people who find him to be an enigmatic figure, uh, somebody who draws them towards him, Trevor Bauer is not the marketing machine that he thinks he is. He is not a Bryce Harper. He is not a, um, you know, a guy like a Fernando Tatis Jr. He's not even, in my opinion, a guy who's as marketable as a Juan Soto, right? He's a bit different. He's a he's a bit um, off. I, I put him more towards, not, not off, but he's a bit more towards Brian Wilson in terms of the phenomenon than he is towards Bryce Harper, if that makes sense. Like, he's a bit more of a, oh my God, this guy can be really funny sometimes. He's not a lifestyle brand. And I, I've said this a bunch, you know, if you put 25,000 people in a stadium, uh, you know, 45,000 people in a stadium to watch a Phillies baseball game, you know, there's a chance that 5,000 or 4,000 know, or 10,000 of them are wearing Bryce Harper jerseys. If you put, you know, 40,000 fans at a Dodgers game, um, you know, 5,000 of them are not wearing, are not wearing Trevor Bauer jerseys. Uh, 10,000 are not wearing Trevor Bauer jerseys. The, the, the Phillies paid for the marketing machine that's also behind Bryce Harper as well. Bryce Harper is a star. Front of the magazines. Uh, front of Sports Illustrated at 16. Um, billboard type guy. Trevor Bauer is not a billboard type guy. I mean, I wouldn't even say, you know, I, I would, like Jacob deGrom is a gigantic star. I think it's a good example here. 
you know, I wouldn't say he is a billboard type guy. I would say, you know, if you look at that team, Noah Syndergaard is more of the personality out of those guys, right? He's more of the you know guy that they, they do videos and fun stuff with like that. You know, I would say Francisco Lindor is kind of the billboard type guy on a team like that. Pete Alonso is a billboard type guy. You know, and for the Nationals, right, I would say, um, you know, while the pitching, they got, you know, Max Scherzer is an excellent star. Uh, if you'd say, hey, Josh, put one player up for the Nationals on a billboard, you'd say Juan Soto, right? Then there's certain guys who are billboard type guys, you know, the guys that you want to center all your entire marketing campaigns around. And, um, you know, I think Trevor Bauer has not built up the clout to be a guy who's got the marketing campaign. Yeah, he's won a Cy Young. Right, he's got one, but it was in a shortened season. And yeah, he's had two awesome seasons, but they weren't they weren't in consecutive years. So he doesn't have the clout to me to be the brand that he believes himself to be. And through free agency, he wanted to help create that brand. And in the end, a lot of people just kind of got tired and upset. And look, I'm not even mad at them for going to the Dodgers. I think Mets fans should be relieved, um, to be honest. But you know, I just think it was kind of a whole it was a lot of shenanigans. And look, JT Realmuto waited a long time, but at least we don't have to hear a lot of crap from JT Realmuto. You know, uh, as long as we get mad, we get mad about the waiting. Bryce Harper, to an extent, too, waited a long time, but we didn't hear any, you know, shenanigans. We didn't have any shenanigans with Bryce Harper, like we did kind of with Trevor Bauer and uh, what we had, you know, over this course of his free agency. So it, it, it continues to stack the Dodgers, right? Their pitching rotation now is even more formidable than it was before. So that was an excellent pickup in that regard. The monetary value, too high for me, but still an excellent pickup nonetheless. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will discuss some new moves the Nationals made last week and a move they made this weekend. But first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar out there right now. You guys can get it. They've got 18 awesome flavors. So go to BuiltBar.com, check out all of them. They really do have something for everybody. And it's sweet, it's delicious, it's nice for, you know, after a meal. It's nice for after a workout. They've got all kinds of flavors. Uh, if you're a fan of nut, if you're not a fan of nuts, they've got something really and truly for everybody. If you guys go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll be able to receive a 20% discount upon your purchase. Uh, once again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's talk about a couple signings the Nationals made. These are minor. This is why it's at the back of the show. I mean, this one is a sentimental favorite, that Guerrero Parra, guys, is coming back to the Washington Nationals on a minor league deal. He is going to be a part of spring training. Uh, he's going to be a non-roster invite to spring training in West Palm Beach, Florida. On February 3rd, the Nationals signed him once again. It's a one-year minor league deal. I think it's worth up to like a million dollars is what I saw from some of the reporting. And uh, we know this is from Jesse Doherty at the Washington Post. He says, Parr was with the Nationals 2019, famously changing his welcome to music to the children's song Baby Shark. From then on, Parra was both a bench player and a symbol of the Nationals' relaxed clubhouse culture. He and Anibal Sanchez encouraged teammates to dance the dugout after home runs. Parra often wore rose-tinted glasses, a metaphor that perhaps two on the nose, and his teammates outfitted themselves in shark-themed uh, shirts and headbands during batting practice. Some even argue that a dramatic turnaround began when Parra joined the club in May. Now Parra is coming off of a season, uh, a down season with the Yorm, uh, I forgot how to pronounce this, but Yomuri Giants of Japan's Nippon Professional Baseball League. He signed there for $2.5 million and a $3.5 uh, $3. million vested option 
for 2021, but by returning to the United States and to his most recent MLB team, Parra will attempt to make the 26-man roster out of spring training. Washington needs more, uh, one more reserve that could and could use a lefty pinch hitter uh, for some situations. But the Nationals still would have to add Parra to their 40-man roster before activating him. They're at 39 players right now and could keep the last spot empty for roster flexibility. In Japan, Parra hit 267 with a 305 on base percentage and a 384 slugging percentage in 47 games with the Giants. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's the Yomuri Giants. So <clears throat> Parra coming back, and I think a, a big part of this is going to be, you know, he's got a chance to to make this team. And in the Nationals, they maybe they need an extra outfielder. I, I think it's pretty crowded out there. I mean, he has a left-handed bat they could use. But I do think if he plays well enough and performs well enough in spring training, what he could bring to the locker room is uh, that kind of veteran presence. And I know there's, you know, this team still has a lot of vets, but the especially when it comes to the batting department, when it comes to the lineup, uh, not a ton of vets that are Nats in the lineup, right? So they, you know, they got Trey Turner and Juan Soto, who are still very young. While veter- you know, technically speaking, veteran players because they play before, they're not what we would consider classic veterans, right? Kyle Schwarber is coming over from uh, Chicago. Uh, you know, you also add that. Uh, Josh Bell is coming over from Pittsburgh, and the rest of the lineup, you know, is pretty full of guys. Carter Keboom is not a veteran by any ch- by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Starlin Castro is a veteran, but not a veteran of the Washington Nationals. Uh, Ryan Zerman's coming back, so he is one of those guys. Jan Gomes is coming back; he is one of those guys. In the outfield, like I mentioned, you have Soto. In center, it's going to be Victor Robles, and then in left field, they're going to play Schwarber. Uh, Stevenson, a veteran, quote unquote, right? But he's still a young guy. Like nobody would actually consider him a veteran, uh, you know, in the in the sense that we mean it. So having Para back would add another guy that could potentially ease up some pressure. You know, you know, ease uh, the pressure because I do feel like there's going to be some pressure this season, right? After a bad year last year, Nats clean house in terms of the staff. They had a lot of guys leave. And so what I think they want to do is, you know, that they want to push and be better again. And their their goal, obviously, make the playoffs and, you know, winning division. We talked about this at length. is going to be a challenge. But they need guys like Para that's going to be a presence in the dugout and just kind of ease everybody, right? Because there are going to be uh, moments full of tension. There are going to be times of season when the Nats aren't playing well and, and people are going to be frustrated. And having a guy like Para around, having a guy like Zimmerman around, having a guy like Jan Gomes around – those guys who have been to that mountaintop, and I mean more specifically on the you know hitting slash uh, you know lineup side of things, that's going to be important to have, right? The veteran pitching, we expect those guys to you know navigate difficult waters, right? To recover from bad stretches or bad outings, uh, know how to you know come back from injuries, how to handle themselves, how to not overwork themselves, all of those things. We expect that from the guys who are in the rotation and the guys who are in the bullpen. They've got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, you want that Nationals experience, right? What they're trying to do is not recreate 2019, but build a roster that, that you know, Mike Rizzo knows how to do, so similar to 2019 in that sense, and build a roster full of guys that you trust, guys that you know are there to, you know, support each other, to uh, make sure in difficult rides, you know, things don't get too low in the clubhouse, to make sure they keep an even keel, to remind them of who they have the potential to be. And Zim and Para are two important guys in that sense. So hopefully Para can make the roster. Uh, you know, I think that's an important. Hopefully he performs well enough to make the roster. I should say, uh, if he's not good enough, then you don't want him there, right? You don't want him in that spot. But if he is good enough, you know, if he's, if they had a choice of a few guys who are kind of performing at that level, 
I would take Gerardo Parra because of what he can bring to you from a left-handed pitch hitting standpoint and also what he can bring to you in terms of a clubhouse feel. So I, I think that is most why I am, you know, I am excited because last year a lot of people were wondering how do they kind of recapture what they had the previous seasons. And sometimes having that kind of personnel around does matter. Uh, that, that kind of guy around uh, can really help you. Another piece of news. The Nationals have signed Jordy Mercer to a minor league contract. Now, this comes from Steve Adams at uh, MLB Trade Rumors. It says the Nationals have agreed to a minor league deal and Major League Spring Training invite with veteran shortstop Jordy Mercer. Tweets Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post. And then fan sided Robert Murray adds that, Murray, uh, that Mercer would make up to $1 million in the majors should he make the roster with another 400 k available in, in incentives. He also has an opt-out clause that he can trigger if he's not added to the big league roster by a certain date, a common provision in minor league packs for veterans of this nature. Mercer, 34, was the uh, Pirates' primary shortstop from 13 to 18, hitting combined 257, 317, 383 uh, slash line in over in nearly 3,000 plate appearances. Across that six-year stretch, he joins uh, he joins Josh Harrison, and also he will be joining um, Josh Bell as well. Two guys from that team, so both of them are going to be on the, the same team together. You know, Mercer was a guy that struggled in 2019 and 2020, and um, for him, you know, I think that's why he's kind of in the spot that he is right now. But hoping kind of for a little resurgence is Jordy Mercer, and, and I'm wondering, you know, if he can get that here. We talked about having guys come to a place like D.C. and be able to rectify things because, you know, it's such a well-run machine. It's, it's a very well-run uh, organization. And, and for Mercer, you know, he got, in 2019, uh, he only had 256 plate appearances. So this is a guy that, you know, since 2018 really hasn't seen a ton of action and hoping to try to trying to revitalize that career maybe and give the Nationals a little bit of infield depth. Uh, in that middle part of the field. Because right now, you think about what they have there. They've got Trey Turner. They've got, uh, you know, Josh Harrison's obviously a part of it. And then we think Starlin Castro is going to start at second right now. But obviously, things could very well change. You know, Luis Garcia's in the mix, too. Uh, what's Castro going to do? Could they move him to third? So you think about all those guys they have there. Not a long jam necessarily, but they do have an opportunity to, you know, may potentially, potentially maybe slide him in there somewhere. I just, I, I'm not sure what their plans are going to be because obviously we want Luis Garcia to get that seasoning in AAA and it looks like he's going to be able to. But, um, you know, you never know with an injury or something, they could need him on the roster. Uh, but I think my preference would be to keep him in AAA and then allow a guy like Mercer to, you know, play or Josh Harrison to play in the event of an injury. So we'll see. Uh, I think Josh Harrison's definitely going to be there. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be a challenge, in my opinion, for them to, to Mercer maybe to find his way onto this team. But we'll see. A guy, a ton of big league experience. So it's just a matter of what, what the Nationals want to do with that last roster spot. Do they want to go with a full roster? They want to leave it open for some flexibility. We'll have to figure that out in spring training. But two interesting signings there. And so things filling up for the Nationals. Plenty of guys, plenty of veterans. You know, you remember Yasmani Tomas, too, another guy who signed a contract that uh, is going to be competing maybe for a spot. So plenty of dudes looking to get onto the field. Plenty of veterans uh, looking to get on the field or on the team at least for the Nationals in 2021. And as we head towards spring training, those guys are going to be fighting for spots uh, in camp. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And until next time, my friends, please stay safe.